Beat the bullies. Laugh in the face of danger. Fight for truth. Going where no conservative has gone before. It's time for the Kelly Truth Squad with William J. Kelly. The Truth Squad's Week in Review begins right now. Welcome to the Kelly Truth Squad. I am William Kelly, and we have a lot to talk about, as always, uh, with this show. So um, thank you for joining us. Um, we have the legendary Maureen O'Looney uh, running the board for us. Thank you, Maureen. Please notify the affiliates that we will definitely be running over. And I know that you get in a lot of trouble every time that uh, that, that happens, but guess what? You know, we actually have a lot to cover here. And I know that none, you know, that none of the other uh, radio stations or TV stations are really covering the, the stories that, that we cover. So I, in my opinion, we're providing a service. Okay, and that's why, that's why the, uh, our media empire is growing because we're talking about things that none of the other TV or radio stations are willing to talk about. Make I, room for Kelly. Exactly right. So uh, I know that you get in trouble whenever we run over, but... Um, I, it's just, it's just, that's just the way it has to be, and they're just going to have to get used to it. We've got a lot going on uh, uh, today, and as always, we're we're joined by Warner Todd Houston uh, of Publius Forum and Prairie State uh, Review dot us dot us dot us. I got report dot us <laughs> report report. Thank you very much. I'm also uh, for being uh, here. I'm also on all kinds of other things. I yeah. just started actually just started working for Whizbang. Whizbang is one of the uh, uh, higher level uh, conservative uh, <laughs> websites out there. So you know I've, I've added that to my stable of writing. Wow. Whizbang. Whizbang. Uh, well then, I thank you for that uh, that stock tip. I will definitely be uh, <laughs> I will definitely be uh, purchasing stock. I'm gonna uh, go online right now and purchase stock in Whizbang. Um, not, but uh, I am not giving stock advice right now on the radio. That's right. I, That's I don't right. want to. No I, stock I, advice. No medical advice. Right. Exactly. Right. No legal advice of any kind. <laughs> but um, although um, I, I should, because I, I've uh, I have uh, extensive information uh, experience with all of the above. <laughs> <laughs> Usually, I'm the receiving end. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the, the truth of the matter is that experience. That is what. That's what counts. I would rather get some advice from somebody who's actually experienced something right. in their lives. You know of what course, I mean? Of course. That that and. And, uh, and uh, we're going to be talking about, obviously, presidential candidates, some with extensive experience and some without. And I, I think that we, I, I think that once again, we realize now that people who have experience are the people that we really need to put our faith and trust in and not people who just simply have high hopes or high ideals or something like this. I'll tell you, nothing else. After all these 343 debates we're having, everyone will have experience by yeah. the time we get to the voting day. Really? Holy mackerel. But, you know, and then we have, we have uh, some, some guests, obviously, who are going to come on uh, uh, from, uh, to talk about the various campaigns, some, some experts. And uh, and then also a radio icon, a, a hero of mine, somebody that I grew up listening to, Steve Dahl, will be on the show today. He's, uh, you know, took a very early interest in my campaign or in my um, in my career as a radio broadcaster, and and um, and when I heard that he was still alive, <laughs> I I said, you know what, 
we've got, and, and I found out that not only is he still alive, but he's uh, he's he's fallen on some hard times. He's out there doing some type of a podcast. Yeah, I, I hear he's is, down to only millions. Yeah, it, it's um, a bank. it's a very very sad uh, state of affairs. Uh, they they actually, you're right. CBS actually paid him to stay home. That's yes. how that's how bad it got. It exactly. got to the point where they were just like, Steve, we'll give you millions of dollars. Just stay home. Don't talk. You know, we don't. If you if you'll just promise not to talk on the radio. Then we'll give you we'll give you whatever you want. But uh, so apparently he's just been sitting in his basement doing a podcast. We're gonna we're gonna have Steve on the air. We're gonna kind of breathe a little life into uh, his career. Boost again. him up a little bit. We have to. He's we have flagging to. spirits. I hear. Yeah. So uh, so hopefully uh, so Steve, I, I understand uh, Steve's on the line. Um, Steve, if you could just hold on for a little bit here, we're gonna get to you right away. You know, we've the the Kelly Truth Squad. You know, that's that's the other thing where I feel kind of bad because you know there was a time where Steve was kind of like the you know he was the up and coming radio personality, and now here we are not only you know the the Kelly Truth Squad dot uh, com the the YouTube channel Kelly Truth Squad YouTube channel obviously all of our blogs the Washington Times um, you know the the fact that we're working with you know the caliber you know Warner and and you know obviously we were able to recruit you know Maureen to come on and produce our show um, I know Hannity and a few other people were courting Maureen very uh, very heavily and and uh, we were able to uh, we were able to you know bring in Maureen you know so now you know people like Steve who you know, they they kind of were they 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 saw that mountaintop, they saw that that peak, but then they never really got there. What I want to do is I want to show Steve that um, that that he can he can somehow still be part of the media. He doesn't just have to, um, you know, kind of fade into. Yeah, his uh, day his day isn't over yet. No, it's he not. He can hitch his wagon to. William J. Kelly. And there you go. Kelly Truth Squad. Exactly. Exactly. It won't be wasted potential <clears throat> for Steve. Exactly right. So, uh, so Steve, if you could just hang on the phone there for a little bit. You know, we're also going to obviously do the talk of the town. Our talk of the town segments have taken off. In fact, uh, they're gone. We've posted them on YouTube, and they've gone viral. A number of them. Uh, we, we've got some people who are going to come on and talk about their events, their charities, their galas. And of course, we want you, if, if you have an event, a charity, a gala, please go to kellytruthsquad.com or that and click on that Facebook page and let us know about it. And uh, we will promote it because, uh, because that's what we really care about is real people, real issues, real uh, charities and events. And, uh, and then, of course, there's our not just talk events, our, our own events uh, right there on, the cal- on that uh, website. Now, Warner, I know that you uh, were, were very busy this week. Uh, you, uh, you got a chance to interview Jeff Rowe from Axiom Strategies, right? That is right. He was uh, with Huckabee back in 08, right? Correct. He was one of Huckabee's big guys. Uh, he helped uh, push Huckabee to, well... Uh, Fox News. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, so, uh, so, so, in other words, he's kind of like uh, he's kind of in the TV syndication business now. <laughs> he must Is be. He? Yes. Okay. So, uh, no, um, but actually, he runs Axiom Strategies. Sure. And uh, they are uh, working with our own uh, Chicago 
uh, uh, Joe Walsh uh, sure. and other candidates, so wow. they're a political uh, uh, strategy firm. So are you telling me that Joe Walsh is going to have his own show on the Fox News channel? Wouldn't that be uh, great? Can you imagine that? <laughs> yeah, sure. I, 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 <laughs> I can, can too. <laughs> I, something tells me that Joe already thinks that he has a show yeah, on the Fox I, he, News he, channel. He may, he's been on yeah. enough. Yeah, yeah um, I, I think he's already uh, in. Uh, he's kind of looking forward to sweeps uh, re, uh, week, or as they call it, uh, like uh, the uh, March. Well, no, now, now he doesn't have a No, he does have a primary. Yes, uh, yes he? he does. Absolutely. He's got he's, two uh, uh, he's got two primary opponents mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken. And uh, but they're both of their petitions are being challenged. Well, no, I believe he's down to one now. Isn't he down to just Richard Evans? Oh, is that right? Now, because, what do you know about Richard Evans? Uh, he uh, he's been working around uh, as a as a political consultant and whatnot in Chicago for quite a few years. Okay, uh, nice guy. Um, mm-hmm. I think he'd be a worthy candidate if uh, we didn't have Joe already out there as the mouthpiece for the Tea Party. Sure. Um, but uh, we'll see. I, I don't know if he'll drop out. Uh, the other young fella did drop out. The one from Barrington. Um, huh. uh, uh, oh shoot, I don't even remember his name now. It slipped my mind. Wow, you know that that uh, he fame, did just drop out. Fame and, is uh, a fleeting thing, right? As I'm sure Steve Dow is probably uh, tap. He's, he's sitting there like tapping. <laughs> yeah, his, he's crossing, he, he's he, crossing he's, his eyes and going. What he the can't, heck he can't is figure going out what's on. going on. But but Steve, we're going to get to you. But when we come back, we're going to go to Warner's interview with Jeff Rowe, Axiom Strategies, and uh, find out exactly what's going on. Uh, what went on in South uh, Carolina? What's coming up in Florida? And uh, we're probably going to go down to Florida for that uh, for that uh, you know live boots on the ground. Uh, you and me, Warner. I got my suntan lotion. I'm ready to go, and we'll be back with more Kelly Truth Squad after this. Right on, America. More with the Kelly Truth Squad coming your way next. Welcome back to the Kelly Truth Squad Week in Review. I am William Kelly here with Warner Todd Houston of Publius Forum and 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 Warner. Oh my gosh, you're you're all over the place now. I mean, you're yes. doing. You've got uh, you're on uh, multiple platforms. That is true. The uh, the Prairie State Report That's it. And that's um, my Illinois blog for all you folks out there that want to know all the conservative doings here in Illinois and uh, the Republican doings, which are not. The same thing as the conservative <laughs> doing not necessarily. Not necessarily. You know, politics is all about uh, addition, not subtraction. We want to include everybody. We want everybody to join us uh, because what do we really what do we really stand for? We love this country and we want everybody to be successful and happy. Right. So And that's um, precisely why that I report yeah. on the entire uh, center right scene here in Illinois and not just the only the conservatives exactly or only right. the Tea Parties or only the conservative bloggers. I, I feel really bad. We're gonna have to ask Steve Dow to just hang on the phone here because um, what I want to do is I want to go straight to an interview that you did earlier with Jeff Rowe from Axiom Strategies. I remember Jeff when he was a Huckabee guy in 08. Um, this this is a great interview that you did and, I, and I'd really like to just go to it right now. So Steve, if you could just hold the phone um, we'll, uh, we'll get to you uh, right after this interview. We're talking with Jeff Rowe, who happened to be uh, a member of Team Huckabee back in 2008. Isn't that right, Jeff? 
That's right. That's right. Well, we're calling, Jeff has called in to talk to us a little bit about South Carolina. That is the big one that's coming up, and uh, everyone's expecting that to, uh, to really start winnowing down the field. We're already seeing calls for Perry to drop out because he should, you know, uh, he just doesn't have the support. It looks like he's coming in last already. Uh, what do you think about this race here, Jeff? Well, South Carolina is known for picking presidents, and I think they're going to go a long way towards that again this year. Uh, you have a Romney vote, which is a solidifying vote. You have a Ron Paul vote that's a very consistent vote, really, from state to state. His numbers, regardless of how aggressive he gets or, or how aggressive people get with him, uh, his numbers stay the same. He has a very solid core. And then you have everyone else. And the everyone else vote is obviously split three ways between Perry, Gingrich, and Santorum. Until those three figure out who is the one person to take on Romney and Paul, they're going to be in a split field, and it's going to hand victories to Romney. And so I think you're going to see uh, at least, if nothing else, South Carolina will determine whether Newt, Rick Santorum, or Rick Perry have the bandwidth to go to Super Tuesday. Well, I think we've certainly seen that the news media is more interested in a Newt Mitt race because they're not really talking much about Santorum, even though Santorum just received a big uh, commitment from the evangelicals that met down in Texas last week. But Santorum is still getting no respect from the old media. Uh, what do you think about that? I agree. You know, I think one of the functions of that, frankly, is that the establishment folks in Washington just don't view his just don't view favorably on his candidacy he's not sexy he's he's straight and narrow and and says what he thinks and has been such a you know was on such a quick rise in Iowa that it was hard for him to say anything to get their attention in the other states and so Santorum is getting ignored he's gotten some evangelical support for a meeting they had to try and coalesce behind one candidate he's polling favorably you know fairly well in, uh, in most states, but New Hampshire was really what caused him this, and this is why th th he, he isn't. This, he's just not a victim here. He decided to compete in New Hampshire when he had a very narrow path to victory there. He came in a, a disappointing finish, and so that slowed his momentum and, and made the media look away. So part of this is, frankly, that the that the D.C. establishment is not look does not look favorable on a Santorum presidency, but additionally, he made a strategic error by going to New Hampshire. Well, and you and you experienced some of this uh, when working with Huckabee in 2008, of the media deciding uh, that someone just wasn't viable and uh, sort of uh, you know dropping off coverage uh, that that they deserved. Uh, Huckabee faced that too. Exact same scenario, and we won Iowa. We went to New Hampshire, spent way too much time, way too much money trying to capitalize on the on the victory. And then we went into to South Carolina, and Fred Thompson, if you can remember, Fred Thompson actually retreated back to Tennessee to, to decide whether he was going to stay in the race. John McCain convinced him to stay in the race, which was a splinter off of our vote. And so the, the Thompson votes took our chances away in South Carolina. It's almost parallel. You know, Santorum, who's trying to go to New Hampshire to capitalize, you have Rick Perry, and Newt Gingrich, who are pulling from his votes in South Carolina, and it may, Mitt Romney being the John McCain of this cycle, it may just hand it again to, to Mitt Romney. 
And speaking of Iowa, uh, you mentioned that Huckabee won Iowa. Uh, now news is coming out that maybe Santorum actually won Iowa by maybe as many as 80 votes. I mean, we know that Iowa does not settle their caucus votes for several weeks after the night. But uh, that was such a nail-biting, uh, uh, such a nail-biting ending there. Uh, do you think that this sudden reversal uh, of, of Santorum actually winning hurts Mitt's I've won everything so far claim? I don't think so. I think the narrative is, is that he overperformed Iowa. He uh, he performed where he needed to in New Hampshire, and, and now we're settled in for uh, the last few days of this campaign. South Carolina likes it rough. They're getting what they like without a doubt. And uh, but the, but the narrative has somewhat been set that that it was a very close race, but Romney performed at, at expectations and a little bit above. And Santorum was really the big winner, regardless. As far as momentum-wise, he was a big winner regardless of how it turned out, eight votes one way or the other. But additionally, I was in Waukee, I was in Waukee Iowa for their caucus this year, 1,000 people. In, 2000, in 2008, they had 600 people. They had over 1,000 people in a, in a convention center, and they literally passed around shoeboxes to collect people's votes. <laughs> so how they ever got those tabulated, <laughs> and, and I was, you know, I, I watched the, the, the watchers of the count, and this is a very raw democratic process. <laughs> you know, you want to talk about vote stuff. You know, if anybody wanted stuff, it, it would have happened. So it's very raw, and, and I believe everybody just assumes that, that Santorum did well. He lost his momentum in New Hampshire. And now, can anybody stop Romney? Will they coalesce be, behind either Rick right. Santorum or Newt Gingrich? Well, and I think Iowa is a, is a strange case that, the, again, the media fails to really report on properly. It, it, it's just a straw poll. It's not really a primary, you know. Exactly. And, and I don't think right. I don't think the, the the media really really talks about that enough. Uh, they give uh, Iowa far more importance than I think it deserves. Oh, I think you're right. Well, and, and keep in mind, too, that the, the media, this is why it's this way, they only can listen to spinmeisters to determine who's winning and losing until they have two things to measure. There are only two things you can measure in politics. One is money and two is votes. And if you're not winning the money primary, by the time you get to the voting primary, to the voting contest, then there's nothing to measure. So that's why they hyperventilate when they get any sort of data to report on. And that's why Iowa has, a, frankly, an outsized role. Well, speaking of the votes coming up then, uh, we have Newt uh, really reigning as the non-MIT right now. Uh, again, as we were mentioning, uh, because of all the media attention. Uh, um, do you think Newt is going to perform well in South Carolina? I do think he will. Uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's very fluid. The polling has been remarkably accurate uh, this cycle so far until now. And now you have outlying polls everything from a dead heat race to a Romney by 13. I think that uh, I think that folks that are looking for a credible alternative to Romney view Newt in that way. And they view him as, you know, keep in mind, the, the average age of the voter is, you know, no, nearing 60 years old. And if you're a 60-year-old likely voter, Republican primary voter in South Carolina, your heyday is when the Republicans took over Congress in 1994. And that is what he's known as. He's known as somebody that can take it to the Democrats and win a fight. And that's why I think he's got that sentiment in a southern state. He's from nearby Georgia. Uh, I think he's got a leg up because of those virtues. Well, we're talking again with Jeff Rowe of Axiom Strategies. Is that correct, Jeff? You got it. All right. Axiom Strategies. Now, tell us a little bit about Axiom since we've got a minute or two here left in the segment. 
sure. Uh, we have we run congressional, essentially federal campaigns across the country, and, and we target uh, competitive seats. We have candidates from the state of Washington to the state of Florida, and and from Maine to to uh, Nevada. And we do. Uh, we're based in Kansas City, Missouri. It's I grew up in a hog farm just north and east of there. I lived in Washington for five years and decided I had enough. I moved back home to start my company. It's our seventh year in business, and uh, we, we work on getting conservatives elected across the country. And uh, since I'm in Chicago, we live in a hog farm here. Uh, they are hogging up all the taxes every day. It's... Well, Joe Walsh, <laughs> Joe Walsh is a great client of mine. Yes, he is, and he's also <laughs> he's uh, also one of the, uh, the hardest-hitting Tea Party conservatives we have in this state. I have uh, Joe Walsh and Alan West as clients. And I couldn't be more proud of him each and every single day. Right, right. Oh, Alan, Alan has gotten quite a bit of press lately on this whole uh, marine business. Um, yeah, I, I, would, I would say he's a guy you don't quibble with when it comes to the armed forces. <laughs> not, in, not indeed. And we're, now we're talking about Florida. Uh, what is your prediction for Florida? That's coming up pretty quickly. It's momentum only. The yeah. winner of South Carolina has a huge advantage going into to Florida. And I believe it will. whoever wins uh, whoever wins South Carolina will have such a boost out of that that the, the, that the race will, if, if it's Romney, the race will be over. If not, then it was, they're going to fight out and all the way through Super Tuesday. So I think Florida is kind of a, a launch pad to either end the campaign or, or create the environment for somebody to be competitive. And, and uh, I've heard quite a few people say that, hey, uh, hold up here. Don't get too excited about it all being over by Florida or, or even uh, South Carolina. Uh, we have a different primary situation this year with uh, the way they've changed the way they, uh, uh, you know, a winner-take-all states and whatnot. Uh, we could possibly still have, it, have people slugging it out for months to come. What do you think about that? Or are you really sure that, that Florida will pretty much cap it, especially if Mitt wins South Carolina? It will be over by then. Republicans don't have that kind of stomach for campaigns like that. <laughs> we we will get in line well before that happens. Yeah, so some some might that. say that Republicans don't have enough stomach for a lot of things. That's right. <laughs> no <laughs> doubt about that. A well, lot of things I'll defend, but not that. Well, Jeff Rowe, we want to thank you for being with us. It's been great to have you, and uh, good luck with your uh, uh, with Axiom Strategies, and uh, we'll be talking to you soon. Well, I appreciate it, sir. Thank Thanks you. Thanks very much. Have no fear, the Kelly Truth Squad will be right back after this. This is President Barack Obama. You have reached the Truth in Broadcasting Radio Network. Now, please leave a message, and William J. Kelly will be happy to return your call tomorrow. The Kelly Truth Squad. Only on the Truth in Broadcasting Radio Network. Welcome back to the Kelly Truth Squad. I am William Kelly. And uh, you know what, Warner? Uh, we have got a lot going on with this presidential politics. It's, it's, it's a presidential election year, you know. Up to our next, man. Have you been following the presidential election? The campaigns, uh, the candidates, the primaries. Are you familiar? That there's this uh, new up-and-coming uh, rising star in the Republican Party. His name is Newt Gingrich. And uh, <laughs> I, I, uh, I have to say, I have a soft spot in my heart for Newt. I, I, I respect and admire the man greatly. Uh, when I ran for Congress in 1994, believe it or not, um, I was uh, I was what seven years old, and um, <laughs> and uh, and um, and I lost. Uh, but uh, but Newt Gingrich uh, called me up on election night and thanked me 
for my for the service that I provided to the uh, to the Republican Party and to the people of uh, my district to inform them about the issues and the contract with America. So I, I always remembered Newt for that. He didn't have to do that, but he did. That's the kind of guy he is. That's a you know a very smart politician. Because because uh, oh, yeah, you know because you know what he didn't how could he have known that twenty something years later that uh, that I would have a radio show and that I'd be uh, uh, he'd be running for president and uh, and then uh, and because of that one phone call I would be giving him uh, all of this humongous exposure on the Kelly Truth Squad. There you go. So uh, and he he is a consummate politician. He too. is indeed. I've met him and his wife, uh, lovely Callista. Yes. Four or five times, and uh, the last time I met them was at a fundraiser in Illinois. Oh sure. And both Callista and walked up to me and goes, didn't we just see you in D.C. a couple of months ago? And I was yeah. like, yes, you did. Out of all the thousands of people that sure. they've met in this campaign, they still mm-hmm. remember just little old me. Well, the, well I, and I remember, I, I think on, but. We, we, were, but we were at that same, uh, I was at that same event, as a matter of fact. And, um, well, they didn't walk up to me and say, hey, I remember you. <laughs> no. Well, see, they talked to you on the phone. See, they talked I, to I talked to him in person. There you go. Ah, see, see, okay. it's, it's the face thing. But, uh, but no, no, no. Actually, um, actually, I'm joking. They, they were very, very gracious to me as well. Yeah. And, Great uh, people. So, uh, and, and you know what? I'm, and, I'm, and I appreciate the fact that he's not just a guy who runs for public office. And then, you know, like in Illinois, we have these situations where every election cycle you have some guy, some millionaire who shows up with his checkbook. He wants to run for high public office. And then he loses and then you never hear from the guy again. You know what I mean? Right. Um, you, know, where, you know, he's in there every day talking about ideas, talking about books, trying to build organizations and relationships. And... And, you know, that that can only come from somebody who truly has uh, uh, the heart of, of a, and the soul of of a, of a real passionate. I, I would I, I guess the word that came to my mind is a revolutionary, you know, somebody who's committed to ideas. Well, now he definitely has the ideas. He's a yes. fount of ideas. Exactly right. And um, and we have somebody on. Uh, do we have Keith on the line? Keith, are you there? I am. Keith, I, I sorry, I uh, was stalling for time. I wasn't sure, <laughs> but uh, hey, uh, how you doing, brother? I'm fine. I was nodding in agreement with all the things you said. There you go, Keith Hansen. Now you are uh, Newt Gingrich's Illinois court uh, director. I, I am. Outstanding. And now uh, now Newt is on the ballot. Uh, the 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 primary election here in the in the city of Chicago, the state of Illinois, is March twentieth. Um, so uh, I have to ask you, what is the game plan here to uh, uh, for uh, for Newt in Illinois uh, uh, come uh, for for March twentieth? Well, not surprisingly, we're going to try to take advantage of, of all the assets that are available to us. The sure. earliest movers in connection with Newt's campaign, Illinois, were those classic grassroots people, folks sure. that respected his intellect and who put themselves forward as volunteers. And those are the folks that did the bulk of the work, of course, in terms of getting all those delegate petitions and, and the speaker's own petitions filed. I think we put together something like 32,000 signatures in the course of three weeks, which says something about uh, how eager people were to step forward and get out there in the cold, not that the sentence was all that cold, sure. but uh, to put things together. So we have those assets, and uh, we also have a fair number of people who are state legislators and county chairmen that are part of the team that uh, bring some of the, the old-school wisdom to inform the decision. Sure. And increasingly, as uh, the campaign has matured, uh, we've got uh, a lot more support from the national headquarters. Uh, as, as you probably, I'm sure, heard, back in the summer, there wasn't a whole lot of that support. There wasn't a whole lot of money. And uh, folks that were Gingrich supporters in August had to do a lot of things on their own. Mm-hmm. But uh, fortunately, that has changed a lot in the last month or so. Yes. Now we've got resources and 
very, very quickly, and there's a lot to do in a short period of time. Absolutely. Now, um, you know, the fact that Newt, he, he was pra practically pronounced dead, um, uh, uh, you know, whatever, you know, a couple of months ago, which I guess is a lifetime in politics. Yeah, but uh, but because of his experience in politics, he was able to weather that storm. Uh, you know, uh, a, a new or lesser candidate would have uh, would have just uh, folded up and uh, and and gone away. But Newt kind of knew how to weather that storm. And we could probably base sure. the, his ability to weather that on on his uh, uh, performances at the debates. I mean, sure. he can he comes in so strong mm -hmm. at the debates. Yeah. Um, now, so so that must be encouraging to you, uh, uh, Keith, that uh, that you've got a candidate who's been around this block a few times. It is. I, I think the the uh, debates are effectively a vehicle for him expressing and showing what's inside behind the the facade. Uh, it's not just the debater's skill. It, it, to me, what's important about all those debates is what it reveals about the man, about his knowledge, about his principles, uh, things which you don't normally get to talk about in a, in a campaign that's. Uh, typically based on sound bites and 30-second commercials. Yes. So, yes, he's a great debater, but I don't think simply being a, a guy with great rhetoric skills would put in where he's been in terms of his rebound. It, it's the substance of what he has to talk about. Absolutely. Get on their feet and, talk and, about. A, and a lot of times uh, when a politician has substance, he gets himself uh, in controversies. Um, like, um, let, let's listen to a, a clip about uh, the food stamp uh, president. A woman asked you why you refer to President Obama as the food stamp president. It sounds as if <laughs> you are seeking to belittle people. Well, first of all, Juan, the fact is that more people have been put on food stamps by Barack Obama than any president in American history. Now, I know among the politically correct, you're not supposed to use facts that are uncomfortable. <laughs> Second, you are the one who earlier raised a key point. There's a, the area that ought to be I-73 was called by Barack Obama a corridor of shame because of unemployment. Has it improved in three years? No. They haven't built the road. They haven't helped the people. They haven't done anything. So, Finish your thoughts, so, Mr. Speaker. One, one last thing. Yes, sir. So here's my point. I believe every American of every background has been endowed by their creator with the right to pursue happiness. And if that makes liberals unhappy, I'm going to continue to find ways to help poor people learn how to get a job, learn how to get a better job, and learn someday to own the job. Well, you know, and that, that's another great thing about being experienced in politics is that a lot of candidates, new candidates especially, they're so afraid to say something that they perceive that they think is going to be controversial that they end up not uh, railing any support. Playing it safe. Right. Whereas Newt understands something that, that very few politicians ever learn, 
And that is, if you if you say something that is powerful and strong and passionate, yes, there will be blowback. Yes, the people you know, the people who hate you and your ideas will uh, shriek. Um, and they've been doing that. Right. And they've been shrieking ever since he said those words. Right. But the fact Even today, they, they're calling him racist over well, the whole thing. Well, but yeah, but that's ridiculous because there are more white people on food stamps than there are. Right. Yeah. But, but here's the bottom line is that um, the, the great thing about it is that when you hear the applause in that live forum, in that debate, you realize that by, by standing up and actually saying something that is, uh, is true and honest, You'll, what you'll end up doing is rallying more people to your your campaign, and Newt understands that. Um, Keith, you know, I got to be honest with you. Uh, we've been looking forward to having you on the show. We're um, can can we can, we got to go to a commercial? Can I, can we ask you to stay for another uh, another segment with us, please? I'd be glad. To. Oh, Keith, I, I truly appreciate it. Keith Hansen, he's with he runs he's the director of the Newt Gingrich campaign for president of the United States, right here in the state of Illinois. That uh, primary is coming up March twentieth. Of course, we've got. Uh, 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 a couple of primaries before then, and and uh, about five uh, five hundred debates, and uh, and uh, Newt Gingrich, I predict, will win every one of them. Uh, we'll be back with more Kelly Truth Squad after this. Right on, America! More with the Kelly Truth Squad coming your way next. I'm President Barack Obama in 2012. If I do get kicked out of the White House, I'm counting on William J. Kelly uh, to create a new job for me uh, hosting a TV show on the Truth and Broadcasting Network. The Truth and Broadcasting Radio Network. Now, back to the Kelly Truth Squad. Welcome back to the Kelly Truth Squad. I am William Kelly, and let's get right back to our guest. And my God, I feel really bad now because I realize Steve Dahl has been on hold. Um, this whole time. Um, I promise, uh, Steve, uh, um, that we will get to you right after this interview with Keith Hansen, the Illinois director of the, uh, the Newt Gingrich for President campaign. And, um, and uh, uh, Keith, uh, is uh, Newt Gingrich scheduled to come to Illinois uh, anytime soon? There are a lot of people, as you can imagine, who would like him to come around the middle of February, around Abraham Lincoln's birthday. Uh huh. Illinois Republicans celebrate uh, Lincoln's birthday. It's not clear whether we'll be able to get him then or in the weeks that follows. I think it's likely that he'll be here closer to the end of February and perhaps in the beginning of March. But uh, that schedule changes just about in every day. And as you sure. alluded to earlier, things in this uh, particular campaign change radically every 24 hours, and the schedule is one of those things. So. Uh, as soon as we know that he's coming, I'll obviously let you know, and we'll try to crowd as many events as we can into the available time. Absolutely. Now, uh, I know that um, the Republican establishment seems to be uh, a little upset with uh, with Newt. Um, you know, this is a Republican p- primary. Uh, in fact, do we have that uh, Rudy uh, uh, Rudolph, Rudy Giuliani clip? Uh, can, can we play that and get Keith's reaction, please? Uh, you pick up the phone as soon as you're done here in two minutes. You say to Newt what? What the hell are you doing, Newt? You, you, you believe what I, you, I, I expect this from Saul Alinsky, Newt. You know, this is, this is what Saul Alinsky taught Barack Obama. And the stuff you're saying is one of the reasons we're in the trouble we're in right now. That this total ignorant populist view of the economy 
that 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 was proven to be incorrect with the Soviet Union, with uh, the, with Chinese communism. I was in China uh, uh, two months ago with Bill Clinton, and Bill Clinton and I had both the same observation. These people are real capitalists. <laughs> <laughs> I want to know what was Rudolph Giuliani doing in uh, China with Bill Clinton? <laughs> Wait well, a <maybe>. second. <laughs> I've met Bill Clinton a few times. Uh, he's a charming guy, even if you violently disagree with his opinions on political matters. So perhaps they were just going for a good time. There you go. There you go. Well, um, you know, it, you know, I, I'll be honest with you. I know politics is uh, is rough, and and uh, that's why I try to avoid it at all cost. But uh, but at any rate, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> at any rate, um, you know those are some pretty strong words that Rudolph, uh, that uh, Rudolph Giuliani had to say about uh, about your candidate uh, Newt Gingrich. I'm willing to bet he said them with a smile. I, I think Mayor Giuliani is falling for a, a fallacy that befalls many people that have watched the speaker and listened to him and, and read his materials in the past, and that is. You really do need to not only listen to the nuances of what he says, but you have to read and follow the entirety of what he says. Sure. Uh, because the headline uh, usually turns out to be absolutely true, but it sometimes requires a bit of an explanation for you to understand fully where he gets. Oh. And, uh, I think, therefore, Mr. Giuliani perhaps misinterprets what, uh, what the, uh, the speaker has said. All of us who are free market capitalists understand that even the best system, first of all, has its flaws. And secondly can be brought into disrepute by take, being taken to extremes. And I, I think that effectively is, is the idea concerning Mitt Romney, that, that some of the actions taken at Bain or elsewhere may have gone to the extreme and therefore have had caused unnecessary damage to the lives of certain individuals. But I, I don't claim to be as well informed about that experience as other people, uh, but I do know that I, I have never seen a comment stated by the speaker, which when I gave the time to reflect on it and to look behind what he had to say, didn't turn out to be darn accurate. There you go. There what, are you they, go. what do they say about our system? It's the worst one ever, except for all those other systems out there. Isn't that what Churchill said? <laughs> I think that, that I think that was Saul Alinsky that said that. Stupid are Saul. you quoting Saul Alinsky over there, Warner? I hate that. Warner guy. Todd Houston. <laughs> Saul. Um, but uh, you know, the the thing about Newt is I bet he's the only one uh, of all the people who who uh, throw the name Saul Alinsky around, I bet Newt Gingrich is the only one that actually read the book Rules for Radicals. You know what I'm saying? I suspect that's right. When he was at our house earlier this year, we, we spent a few minutes in my, my little library study at home, and he looked up at all the history books on my shelf because that's effectively my, my real passion. And he said, I've, I've written... I, I, that he wrote I, half That he wrote half <laughs> <laughs> There are about 10 or 12 of them that he did write, but he sort of stroked his chin and said, well, I see we read the same books. Uh, but he does it not just because he needs to for his job. It's because he has a real passion for it himself. And if you ever talk to him about an issue that he doesn't have a prepared position on, and I've seen him do this several times at small meetings, you can see the wheels turning as he goes back and tries to establish the historical precedents that led to the situation at hand <coughs> and tries to deconstruct it, determine how we got there, and then mm -hmm. voices his opinion based on that analysis. And that, frankly, is one of the things that I am most impressed about him, that, that he doesn't... Uh, alert forth positions based on the latest polling data or an effort to appeal to some particular interest group, whether it be moderate or conservative. But he really goes through a thought process. Yes. And, and I think that when we are in a situation that we're in in this country, economically and otherwise, that's the kind of leadership which I think we need to rely on going forward. And, and Keith, I, it's, you're, you're very, very right. Um, it's great to have a candidate like Newt who has an historical perspective because, you know, when I see some candidates who it's almost like they think that 
that that they're the first ones or that we're the, that, that this is the first time in history that these issues that we're facing have ever have ever occurred. And um, and, you know, whereas, you know, someone like Newt knows that that there there's very little that we're facing at this time in history that hasn't already occurred. And if you know something about history, you know, uh, you know, the, the terrible mistakes that were made in the past that led to, you know, unimaginable chaos and crisis and, and disaster for other civilizations. And I would rather have somebody who knows, you know, how other famous leaders in the past handled these, these uh, similar uh, situations, hopefully successfully and averted crisis, uh, than, you know, some guy uh, who's just standing up there, you know, uh, thinking, winging it. winging it. Exactly right. Well, we, and we should also remember that uh, our founders, when this country started, mm-hmm. one of their catchphrases was, uh, you know, uh, history. You know, yeah. uh, uh, <laughs> what has come before, uh, you know, let history decide. How fun, uh, you know, how interesting is and, that? And realize that. Yes. They, they read the past. They saw what happened before and based our new country and our new situation, our new system right. on what they knew of history. And how interesting is that, that you had that, that here our founding fathers well, you know, who you know, most people, sadly, have been taught are totally irrelevant today, that there, there's nothing that we could learn from the from those uh, founding fathers. Uh, they, uh, they were they were referring to the great uh, thinkers and writers uh, and philosophers uh, uh, that came before them. Exactly. Um, so, uh, Keith, I, I appreciate what you what you're trying to do here. What um, now? What what, uh, what what do you see coming up? Uh, what do you see coming up in the in the uh, in the weeks to, in the weeks to come? What, how do you see the the map uh, shaping up for Newt? A lot depends, of course, on how things go in the next few weeks. I, I think as there it becomes clear that this is a race between Mitt Romney and the conservative alternative. Mm-hmm. And as people come to realize that the, the mature and best prepared person to fill that role of the conservative alternative is Speaker Gingrich, I think we'll see the field narrow over the course of the next two or three weeks. And almost regardless of how things turn out in South Carolina, I think uh, Newt will effectively appear as the alternative. And, and one of the things that I'm sure you've discussed on your show already is that whatever has happened in, this, in the various polls that have taken place so far in Iowa and New Hampshire, the, the non-Romney effectively wins those polls. And it's my expectation that once it boils down to Mitt Romney and Newt Gingrich, that the speaker will prevail. But it won't be done easily and it won't be done quickly. And I think we're in for a long slog, which might well include uh, the Illinois primary. Absolutely. Now, um, obviously, the Illinois primary uh, takes place pretty late. I, I'm happy personally that it's back. Uh, back put, has been pushed back to March uh, because uh, um, because uh, then you know St. Patrick's Day. You, you've got that. Uh, you've got your St. Patrick's Day uh, uh, lead-in to the to the Illinois primary. Uh, do you think that that's going to be? Uh, do you think we should have Newt in for like maybe a St. Patrick's Day party? What do you say? <laughs> I think he's got a good cherubic smile like a leprechaun. There you go. Quite well. <laughs> Perfect. Well, then, I'll tell you what. I, we will definitely uh, look forward to having Newt Gingrich as, Newt uh, the, Gingrich. as the guest of honor at the, uh, at the first annual uh, Kelly Truth Squad St. Patrick's Day party. I'll, uh, well, I'll let bu- him dump that orange dye into the river, then I'm sure we can get him to come. There you <laughs> go. Perfect. Hey, Keith, thank you so much for being with us, and uh, keep, up, uh, keep up the good fight here. And uh, I hope that uh, you'll be back uh, many times before March 20th. Glad to do so. Thanks for your time. You got it, brother. Take care. And uh, we will be back with more of the Kelly Truth Squad Week in Review after this. 
have no fear. The Kelly Truth Squad will be right back after this. I'm President Barack Obama, and I'm here to tell you, whatever you do, do not, and let me be clear, do not listen to the Kelly Truth Squad. Now back to the Kelly Truth Squad on the Truth and Broadcasting Radio Network. Welcome back to the Kelly Truth Squad. I am William Kelly. And um, Warner, that, that was uh, now. So Keith, uh, Keith Hansen, no, what, do you think that this uh, that that by the time the presidential primary comes around to Illinois, that there's still going to be a question as to who the Republican nominee is? Or is it going to be wrapped up by the time we get to, to Illinois? Boy, I think most people think it'll be wrapped up before it gets anywhere near us. I mean, remember really last so. time it happened, even though we were early, the Republican side was pretty much done. You know, uh, uh, Thompson was already out. And I mean, so many mm-hmm. guys had already dropped out. Huckabee already looked dead, you know, uh, in the water. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, it's likely that by the time it gets to us, it'll be down to just one or two guys. And, of course, with this revelation of Newt's ex-wife going crazy here. The, uh, <laughs> now, what exactly the, is going on with that? Well, we, we you know, she's uh, she's mad. <laughs> she's but an what, ex-wife. Come on. Well, she's what gonna, is she she's, mad about? She's beating him up, saying that he's not electable and that he's got ethics problems. And uh, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, don't we'll see marry what, him. Yeah, don't, don't, don't marry him, America. <laughs> we'll, we'll, see what, we'll see what everyone thinks about it. Uh, it might be easily dismissed, but we'll see. Now, do, now it does, uh, but she's going to vote for him, though, right? <laughs> well, that's a good question. Maybe if his checks are in, on time, she'll see that. That's what that would be my question. It would be like, okay, so so are you saying that he would not make a good president, or he does not make a good husband? Right, and because, is there a difference? Uh, is there a difference? I don't know. I don't know either. I guess uh, we'll have. To I'm wondering if she. Uh Maybe she slept with Herman Cain. No, I'm sorry, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. <laughs> but uh, but you know the the question is uh, you know does somebody have to be a good husband? Well, I, obviously in a, in a perfect world, um, you would be a great husband. You would be a great president. Right. You would be a great uh, fearless leader. That's the age old question, isn't it? Uh, if you if you mess around on your wife, does that make you un uh, unreliable as a leader? Uh, and and how many times can we go back in history and see some of the greatest men in history were horrible husbands? But we're, <laughs> but 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 do we know that? You see, that's the thing about history. Oh, I is, think we know that. <laughs> no, we don't really know that at all. Well, I mean, like, was John F. Kennedy? Um, you know, was he a bad husband? Well, he was certainly not monogamous. Let's put it that way. Okay, so you're suggesting that monogamy uh, goes hand in hand with being a good husband. Well, that would be the general, you know, the, the, the general idea, don't you think? I mean, let's ask the women out there. Ladies, call in and tell me if, if being monogamous is a good idea. Wait a second. We got to get that guy from the uh, marriage amendment back on that's the right, phone. We got to right. find out. So uh, so are you saying that um, – so so does uh, does this marriage amendment in, in any way affect uh, um, the uh, monogamy? Uh, we, we need a monogamy amendment. There you go. Yeah, you know, you see, now that's what we can do. I think I had my uh, den paneled in monogamy. Uh, is that right? Yeah. You know, if we— if It was going to be pine, but monogamy looked nicer. There you go. If we could get—you uh, know, it's a Dobson's choice. Pine or <laughs> pine or monogamy. That's right. And I, I noticed that you ejected from your diagram in saying yeah, that. Yeah, so. you and you and I, you and I can uh, confabulate about that some other time, <laughs> Warner. But uh, but right now, uh, right now, I, I would just like to ask you the the Dobson's choice. Uh, do you think that um, do you think that our uh, do you think that if Newt 
were to get behind a monogamy amendment that that might uh, turn, tip the scales back in his favor? <laughs> I think if he did that, there there would be somebody screaming uh, hypocrisy as loud as they could right there. Right? Oh come on! I, we think, are... I think Newt would be best uh, best uh, advised to uh, try to stay as far away from issues of uh, monogamy as possible. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, I would like to uh, I would like to uh, issue the monogamy amendment. Um, <laughs> this is a contract with America that I would like to make. Or my one of several wives. Yes, exactly right. Well, uh, you know, oh, who who would have thought that the non Mormon would be would have the several wife problem? You know what I mean? <laughs> hey, what the heck? I mean, I'm not, I'm not one of these uh, interfaith theologians, but uh, but you would have think that. Hey, enough of that. Hey, uh, we'll be back with more Kelly Truth Squad after this. Right on, America. More with the Kelly Truth Squad coming your way next. Welcome back to the Kelly Truth Squad. I am William Kelly. And um, once again, thank you for listening. And, and thank you uh, to uh, Warner Todd Houston, uh, Publius Forum, and, uh, and the legendary Maureen O'Loughlin. Maureen, um, I, I know that uh, we caused nothing but trouble for you here on, uh, on our flagship station, but um, we are definitely going to go over here. And that, that has a very, very, very profound consequence because that pushes back all of the, uh, the, 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 the programming. Even 60 Minutes uh, ends up getting pushed back. Uh, so it's uh, it's unfortunate. Well, with Andy Rooney passed away, they there have a go. few minutes they can okay. They can give us. I well, think. you see, everything happens for a reason, and uh, it all works out. My favorite. Uh, we got a movie coming out. I don't know if people know this, but uh, but but we have a production company. It's an Emmy Award winning production company, and we don't just do radio. Uh, we also do uh, we also do TV and film, and we've got the Kelly Truth Squad uh, television show coming up, so you'll get a chance to see. Uh, what uh, Warner and I look like, um, and uh, I guess you could do that by going to uh, our respective websites if you if you wanted to see what we look like right now. But um, but uh, but you'll be able to see that on on television on national uh, national uh, national network, and we'll be uh, making all of those announcements very 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 soon. But uh, of course, our ultimate goal is feature film because there are great 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 stories out there that Hollywood has never told. Um, and one of them, uh, oddly enough, is uh, in the theaters now, and that is a movie about Margaret Thatcher and uh, the legendary relationship that uh, Margaret Thatcher and Ronald Reagan had. Uh, hey, Maureen, do we have a, cl- a clip from the movie? Uh, yes, we do. We share so many of the same goals and a determination to achieve them, which you summed up so well. And alas, I cannot in- imitate this wonderful American English accent. You ain't seen nothing yet. <laughs> Based on the career that I once had before this one, you are a very tough act to follow. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, those were some people there. Yes, indeed. And uh, and he, you know, here's my question: these are le- these are historic characters, obviously. Mm-hmm. These are um, you know people who changed the face of the earth. When when you think about how they worked with Pope John Paul II, Lech Walesa, to um, you know to 
obviously break down the most evil regime in the history of the world. The Tear Soviet down this Union. wall. Exactly right. Uh, the Soviet Union, uh, the communists who were responsible for countless millions, you know, hundreds of millions of, of uh, innocent deaths, um, you know, political murders uh, throughout the world. And uh, they, they freed Eastern Europe from, the, from that you know, menace, uh, the communist menace. Do we have any leaders that uh, of that caliber today? Is it possible that uh, uh, you know that some like you know twenty years from now people will be referring to our modern day leaders in, with the with the, and saying things of of of, the, of a similar nature? Well, what do we need people like that for? We got Lady Gaga. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Lady and I Gaga. think that about explains your answer there. I mean, that, that yeah. is the problem. We don't have people of the caliber of a Ronald Reagan. And the Iron Lady, sure. Margaret Thatcher. We, and, just and, don't, you know, we just don't have them. These and days. and that, that, that's a, a very, very good point. And, you know, the, the, the real question is why? Is it because, uh, is it because it, our, our, day, our times don't call for that? I mean, if we had another major cr- uh, crisis. Well, that would, is a good question. I mean, there, there is a big debate on, uh, you know, is the great man of history yes. debate on do the times make the great men or are sure. the great men make the times? I mean, that that is a good question. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, <laughs> uh, you know, maybe, maybe you know, maybe it's a question of um, of somebody becoming the leader that they want to be. You know, creating the change the that they we want need. to see. Yeah, exactly right. You know, maybe it's necessary because you know, Ronald Reagan did not just come out uh, appear overnight. No. I know a lot of people believe that leaders like Ronald Reagan, they just uh, oh, you know, they just ran for president in the 1980s, and then and then look what happened. No, Ronald Reagan was uh, was a work in progress oh, yeah. for you know decades. Uh, for decades yeah. uh, prior to becoming president. Right. So in order to be a great leader. You know, it's like they say in show business, you know, an overnight success takes at least 10 years. You know, maybe in order to be a great president, uh, it requires, you know, uh, 20, 30, right. <laughs> 40 years. Well, and let's face it, we've never had a, a, a highly successful president that mm-hmm. wasn't decades and decades in service to the country before they got their big chance to step out on the big stage. Absolutely. You know, and uh, I think that, you know, in our culture today, people, you know, you have a lot of celebrities or, you know, it's uh, that are, are that are so young. And I almost feel sorry for them because it's almost a guarantee. It's almost a guarantee if you even like look at child star celebrities, it's almost a guarantee that they that their their worldview will be warped and then they will end up suffering as a result. You no. know, yeah. Uh, but if you have someone like Ronald Reagan, who I guess he did have early success. I mean, he was he was on the radio. Sure. Uh, he was on TV. Right. Um, he uh, was uh, he gave he went out and gave speeches for uh, um, for uh, oh, yeah. for started, other candidates. He started out on the radio doing sports. Uh, uh, sure. Went into movies. Uh, after that, uh, became uh, well, and, and while he just became, after his, yeah. his his movie career, or sort of toward the end of it, sure, he got into the union. The, yes. Uh, uh, Screen Actors Guild, I believe. He became president of that, and that, that sparked his interest in, in politics. And uh, then he began to read voraciously, and mm-hmm. from there uh, ended up uh, in the White House. Absolutely right. And and, uh, and I'm sure that the experience with the Screen Actors Guild at that time in history, uh, doing battle with essentially communists that were trying to take over the entertainment industry, thank God that didn't happen. Right. Um, you know, they, uh, they, uh, you know, they, um, that was sarcasm. Yeah. I think that, uh, that, that probably was part of the formation of Ronald Reagan 
And, and uh, you know, if you if you really ask yourself, what where did he, Ronald Reagan's hatred of communism come from? It probably came from his experience of witnessing it firsthand in Hollywood and what it ended up doing to his career, his dream, his passion to be a movie. Well, uh, and a lot of it had to do with his Midwest upbringing, too. You know, sure. Uh, he, he's, he was a Midwest guy at, at heart. Yeah, the greatest president, uh, I believe, um, certainly of our lifetime, and uh, and he was from right here in Illinois. I believe the only president that was born in Illinois. Um, I believe you know, you're right. Yeah. We, we you yeah. know we always hear land of Lincoln, but in fact uh, Abraham Lincoln was yeah, born in born in Kentucky, Kentucky. Yeah. Right. And uh, we don't really know. Do we know exactly where uh, Barack Obama was born? We do we know exactly? Is there? Can we pinpoint that? <laughs> <laughs> Hawaii. They, they say Hawaii. Yeah. yeah that's there that's what they're telling us. I would love to go to Hawaii someday. And uh, I, I, it's, I hear it's, it's absolutely beautiful. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll second that motion. Yes, indeed. So, uh, so you know what we got to do is we got to get a, uh, we have got to get a radio affiliate in Hawaii. Now, now you're talking. You see, now um, you're talking. You see uh, where we closest can... I ever got to Hawaii was watching Hawaii Five O. Ah, yes. Either the old one or the new one. So I've been to Hawaii twice. There you go. <laughs> but uh, but if we could get a radio affiliate in Hawaii, we can um, then we can go down there uh, to do some radio events. I say I don't know, maybe two or three times a year, and um, and then uh, I'll let's be, get a lay. Yeah, I I mean the you know the flower. There you go. <laughs> we could get a uh, we could get a. Um, uh, uh, you know, a hotel sponsor. We could get. Um, there you, go. you know what we got to do is get like uh, one of those my um, ties. My ties, absolutely. That <laughs> and uh, and then uh, an airline sponsor, and that that would be all we would need because we would right. just fly down there, uh, hang out at the hotel, broadcast live, drink the my ties, and um, and uh, that's going to be. I'm up for that. That's going to be my number one priority this week is to pull down our Hawaii. Uh, our Hawaii affiliate. Preferably in the wintertime. There you go. Hawaii on the wintertime here <laughs> in Chicago would be much better, don't you think? Absolutely. Scott Walker was in the news uh, recently. Oh, yeah. Um, do recall we, effort against The him. recall effort against Scott Walker. Um, um, I have been to the state of Wisconsin. I can, I can tell you that much. Um, and um, I, I love Wisconsin. Um do we now? Scott Walker had something to say about the state of Illinois, though. Oh yeah, he did. Now, do we have a clip of that, or, or is it a different? Here, play the clip that we have. All right. Well, I guess it's not such a rude awakening. You saw this one coming. I take it. You didn't. That it wasn't just this afternoon when the petitions were delivered. No, I said months ago that I thought uh, this effort, led by the operatives in the state uh, Democrat Party, but also really funded ultimately by the national big government unions, were going to be pushing for this long ago. Uh, we said from early on we thought with the. Uh, the uh, activists, they'd get enough signatures. But in the end, we earned the majority, the trust, I should say, the majority of citizens in our state back in the fall of 2010. I believe we kept our promises. We did what we said we were going to do. We reformed our government, balanced our budget, did it without raising taxes. And uh, I think we're going to earn the trust of the majority of people again come 2012. Well, there you go. Scott Walker, one of the great interviews that I was able to do uh, on the sh- uh, on uh, kellytruesquad.com uh, last year. Uh, we're definitely going to have him back on the show, and um, and we've got uh, Steve Dahl on hold, uh, and we'll get to Steve when we come back with more Kelly Truth Squad after this. Your alternative resistance news source. Stick around for more Kelly Truth Squad after this. You're right where you belong. 
Barack Obama again. Uh, you know, President of the United States. Now, I thought I told you not to listen to the Kelly Truth Squad. What are you doing? The Truth in Broadcasting Radio Network. Now, back to the Kelly Truth Squad. Welcome back to the Kelly Truth Squad. I am William Kelly. And uh, I, uh, you know what? Here's the thing. We're, if, if I could just ask Steve Dahl to please hold on the line. Um, I know I know he's been holding for a while now, but uh, I, I guarantee you we're going to get to Steve Dow uh, right after this. Uh, right now we are joined by Nick Costello. He is the one of the uh, one of the directors of the Illinois Marriage Amendment. Nick, are you with us? Yes. Hey, how are you doing, brother? I'm doing well. Um, so tell me, uh, what exactly is the marriage amendment? Uh, the Defensive Marriage Initiative. Um, is a petition drive uh, to put a advisory referendum on the November election ballot in Illinois. Okay. Uh, that would uh, advise the General Assembly to uh, maintain marriage as the union of a man and a woman. And so this is a process that will allow the people of Illinois uh, to have their say, to have a voice okay. on the issue. Um, well, the good thing is that the governor of Illinois is, he loves this kind of stuff. He's a huge supporter of uh, letting the people, the will of the people, and letting people decide. He likes the petition process, so so he must, be, you know, he must be uh, um, very supportive of this process, right? Well, uh, probably not. Unfortunately, <laughs> he he used to love this kind of stuff before he became. Governor, is right that now. how that works? I think that's how that works. So, so you're telling me that uh, that uh, if I ever got elected to high public office, then I would just do a complete turn turnaround on everything that I've ever said that I believe in? Well, you're not a Democrat, are you? Oh, darn! Um, so, how many uh, how many signatures do you need, Nick? Well, we need three hundred thousand valid signatures of Illinois registered voters. You know, so. And when do you need them by? And. We April twenty third, uh, two thousand twelve. April twenty third. Now, is there a website? How can people uh, get, download a petition? People need to go to defendmarriageillinois.org, and they can do two key things. One is they can they can print petitions uh, right from the website, and number two, they should print out the petition instructions because it is a little bit of a complicated process. Petitions have to be filled out correctly um, and notarized. I mean, rather going into detail about it here, I'll sure. know, just direct people to the website yeah, good call. and to do those two things. And um, so, uh, and who are some of the uh, state uh, directors or coordinators or groups that are involved in, in this initiative? Um, well, it's mainly just a handful of, of individuals um, you know, who are activists who come together to, to do this. But okay. One group uh, is Americans for Life, uh, Dick Walsh. Um, another group is Americans for, for Truth, uh, okay. which is Peter LaBarbera. Um, uh, Jim Komenecki, um, who has um, a website called Restore America. Um, so it's basically just people who, who care about uh, marriage and family um, as an issue, uh, who want to do something against, uh, you know, the quote-unquote inevitable uh, 
change in marriage law that's coming. Um, so, how much of this is based on the Defense of Marriage Act from the federal government uh, that uh, is always in it, debate? It's not really. This is more of a reaction to the passing of the civil unions uh, bill uh, back in January, uh, which uh, basically granted uh, the same benefits uh, to married couples to uh, non-married couples, uh, including same-sex couples and, and people who just want to cohabitate. So, you know, obviously we see that, you know, as an erosion of, of uh, marriage um, in the state. And, um, yeah, former state senator Penny Pullen says that uh, we have de facto gay marriage because of this act. Well, yeah, that is that's true. Uh, that's true. Um, but the name change is also, uh, you know, incredibly important to the other side because, um, you know, it's as much about affirmation um, of uh, the, the lifestyle as it is about uh, the benefits. So, hmm. you know, we need to. Um, you know, we need to take a stand. Uh, 31 states uh, throughout the uh, country who've done similar petition drives have all passed those um, amendments in favor of marriage and amended their constitution. So this particular amendment doesn't amend uh, the constitution in Illinois. It's only advisory. But, but we still think it's important because it's the only vehicle to give uh, the people their say. Now, is there, are there going to be any upcoming meetings or events or rallies where people who want to get involved can, can join in and, and meet some like-minded people? Well, our plan um, right now is to try to rally a group of volunteers uh, to collect signatures uh, at the Illinois primaries at all of the uh, GOP polling places. Uh, so that's, that's in the works. That's the kind of the idea um, and, you know, we're still devising a plan on how to, uh, you know, make that, you know, make that opportunity known. Are there any, but, uh, any other, like before March, are there any events, any like meetings, uh, or like strategy meetings where people are going to be meeting to, to, uh, kind of, uh, all be under one roof and talk about the progress of the petitions, et cetera? We may, we may do something. There's nothing set right now. We may try to do something um, at the Valentine's Day protest at Holy Name Cathedral. Um, well, I'm sorry, what is that? It is a it's an annual protest of uh, basically the Catholic Church's lobbying efforts on behalf of marriage. And, hmm. you know, it's organized by a group called the Gay Liberation Network, um, which is a, a can't come up with a uh, euphemism for it. Very anti-Catholic in their rhetoric. Okay. And um, you know they really make their uh, views heard and known um, at this Valentine's Day protest, which will be um, on the Sunday before Valentine's Day. So you're saying that this um, that this now why are they anti-Catholic? Well, you would think uh, I mean anti-Catholic bigotry would be kind of something that people would look down upon, right? Uh, are you are you saying yeah. that now? Are you saying that this group is is openly anti-Catholic? They won't, you know. They won't say that they are. They would, I would think, they frame themselves as anti-hierarchy um, or anti, uh, you know, uh, Cardinal George. Okay. Um, anything uh, Catholic that would, you know, lobby um, on behalf of marriage as a man and a woman is what you know they they target. Oh. You know, so you know that's uh, 
you know, so we may do something, um, some kind of counter protest, um, you know, at Holy Name Cathedral and as a means of uh, rallying volunteers who would circulate signatures. Well, what's the date? What would be the date of that, or, or like what time, or what? Do, do well, that would be February twelfth. Um, you know, at Holy Name Cathedral. Um, so, you know, that would be an opportunity, uh, you know, for people to see, you know, what's at stake. Um, Is there a particular time? Do we know offhand? Um, I believe it will be, you know, between 10 and 12 p- 10 a.m. and 12 p.m. Um, but anything, you know, that we plan on doing, people can just <clears throat> go to the website. Sure. And it will be, it will be posted there. What um, is the website? Website again, uh, defendmarriageillinois.org. Okay, so you're saying that this group is going to be is going to be protesting um, in front of Holy Name Cathedral on uh, February 12th between 10 and 12 p.m. Yeah. Now, have they ever done this before? They do it on an annual basis. Yes. Okay, and and. So and I mean the the police would the Chicago police would obviously be out there to to somehow like try to prevent them from disrupting a Catholic church service, right? Yeah, they are out there, and uh, they you know uh, draw a line of uh, you know they limit them to a certain space, uh, you know where they can march and and do their chants and everything. I understand. Well, I know that, like, for example, we've got the G8 summit coming to Chicago. There, for uh, the, the latest estimate is about 200,000 uh, uh, anarchists that are trained in, uh, you know, violent confrontation with the police. Um, so uh, I, if the police, uh, you know, maybe this uh, March uh, 12th or February 12th event might be a nice warm up for the G8 summit. Uh, you know, hopefully they can if they can handle uh, if they can defend a Catholic church uh, after Sunday mass, hopefully they'll be able to defend Chicago from 200,000 uh, yeah. uh, violent uh, anarchists. But uh, hey, Nick, I, I truly appreciate you coming on and expressing uh, your views. And uh, what's that website again? Website is www.defendmarriageillinois.com. Org. Awesome. Hey, I appreciate you coming on, and we'll, we'll look forward to having you uh, on to give us some updates. Okay, thank you, Bill. Thank you. Right on, America. More with the Kelly Truth Squad coming your way next. Okay, it's Barack again. And I see that you're still listening to the Kelly Truth Squad on the Truth and Broadcasting Network. Yeah, thanks a lot, folks. The Kelly Truth Squad, your alternative resistance news source. Welcome back to the Kelly Truth Squad. I am William Kelly, and this is my favorite segment of the show, that the talk of the town, where we talk to real people uh, and um, and. Their events, their galas, their charities, the, how, the, the, the way that they are making a difference in, in the city of Chicago, the city that I love, the city uh, where I was born and raised and where I hope uh, to be um, I, I hope to be making a difference myself. Of course. For years to come. Uh, we're obviously, as always, uh, Warner uh, Todd uh, Houston is here with us. And um, Warner... Can, if I told you that literally, I would say about um, maybe five miles from where we're sitting right now, is a uh, is a is a uh, a German cultural center, okay, called the Donkhaus. 
that where you can go there. They've uh, they've got um, they've got first of all a bar in the basement. Well, that's a good thing, right there. We're <laughs> exactly starting out right. right. There you go. And um, I, I've been there on many occasions. I even went there for uh, New Year's Eve once. And really? the best people, a, a lot of fun. And um, and we've got uh, Nicole on the line with us right now. Nicole, are you there? Yes, I am. Hey, how are you doing, partner? Very good, very good. Well, thank you for joining us. Um, now, uh, now for, for people who are not familiar with the Donk House, what, tell us a little bit about um, you know the history of the Donk House in Chicago. Very sure thing. Um, we actually started in 1959, and we are the Deutsche Amerikanischer National Congress, which is a very fancy uh, name. That's mm-hmm. where our acronym comes from. Nice. And we were a lobbying organization originally. Okay. Uh, the people that came here post-World War II wanted a voice in American government. But uh, when you, you learn about the ethnic experience in America, Germans are known as the great assimilators. Okay. Uh, they had similar, similar backgrounds, similar religions. Um, sure. Germans have been here since the 1700s. Of course. A lot of Americans are German. <laughs> of course. So it was very easy to become American, and they pr- quickly realized they didn't need that voice in the, pl- in the you know, government system. Uh-huh. So then we became uh, largely a language school and a social center. Nice. Until about 2003. Okay. And in 2003, we were actually going to sell our facility, which is a 70,000 square foot facility at Western wow. and Lawrence. Okay. And um, our volunteers had put in their time. They'd done their duty. Sure. And at that time, a new group rose up, took over the board, and really started kicking things into high gear and opening our doors to the public. Outstanding. And um, now you offer a full, I mean, a, a full uh, array of activities at the Donk House. I mean, there, you, you could go there for, to, you know, German language classes. Um, uh, you could, you know, the, there are movie nights. Um, I would, and then I would imagine that you have different events throughout the year. Uh, you know, I, 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 I actually went and celebrated New Year's Eve, as I mentioned, at, uh, at your location one year. It was the best New Year's Eve ever. You had the Polkaholics, um, you know, obviously a great bar and German beer and, and just, you know, really good-natured, uh, friendly people. It was, it, was, it was probably the most uh, fun uh, New Year's Eve I ever had uh, in the city of Chicago. That is great to hear. Yes, we just went through that, and it was yes. another one off the charts, off the records. Yes. Um, Pocaholics are just a good time. Absolutely. <laughs> good Absolutely. Time. Good fit for us. Um, and now you've also just uh, re- remodeled the facade of your building. Yes. Um, when I say we have a 70,000-square-foot facility on Western Avenue, most people say they've never heard of us or seen us. Mm-hmm. That is an enormous building. Um, and part of the problem is there was a restaurant tenant back in the 80s, and they had a fire, and they sort of haphazardly boarded up the front of the place. Yes. And we just spent $370,000 putting in limestone arches uh, wow. to mimic our ballroom. We have a fifth-floor, 500-person ballroom. Sure. That's where the New Year's Eve event is held and a lot of our other events. And we really needed to make that connection to the outside of the building, to all the awesome things that go on inside the building. Absolutely. Yeah, that's 70,000 square feet, right? That's about the size of your penthouse, isn't it, Bill? (laughs) I'm pretty sure. (laughs) But, um, and... um so, so that's uh, you know that's amazing. Now, what uh, what are some of the upcoming events that you have? Um, just, geez, January, February, March alone, we're doing about thirty events. Um, 
we're grand opening the Lost German Chicago exhibit in the museum. Yes. That exhibit's been up for some time, and we've got some great new donations. A lot of people come through, and they see their uh, grandparents in the exhibit. And sure. They have some additional items. Uh, we're actually adding a huge music component. Uh, Bix Biederbecker is a jazz musician that was very famous in Chicago in the 20s. Okay. And they based um, a Kirk Douglas movie on his life. I think it's called... Um, Young Man with a Horn. Okay. And we're doing a big Speederbecker section. Um, we have a Cinema Now program um, on Friday evenings, uh, every third, every fourth Friday. Okay. We do German films with English subtitles. Nice. So and that's every fourth Friday. Hmm? Every fourth Friday. Every fourth Friday. So we're looking at the 27th is our first one at 730. Okay. And we do those and most of our events at no admission. You know, that was going to be, I guess that is kind of my, my next question here. Um, first of all, are they like classic German films or are they, you know, new independent German These films? What contemporary films. These okay. are in the last decade. Um, German filmmakers, you'll often find uh, when you look at the Academy Awards, that kind of thing. Sure. That foreign film winner is usually a German. They there do you a go. Job. <laughs> Amazing. And um, now, so you, do you have to be a member of the Donk House in order to attend these events? Or? Not at all. Okay. Uh, we very much uh, encourage participation and volunteerism over membership. Um, we see a changing in the whole system of being ethnic in Chicago. Sure. And for the Germans especially, we've been here a very long time, and we know there's so many people out there that are German um, to some degree that want to identify with that heritage, yes. and that's what we're here for. Yeah, and uh, and I can certainly understand. Uh, you know, I can certainly understand that myself. You know, I'm half German, mm-hmm. um, and uh, no, you know, I, I have German as well. And yeah, I mean, you know, the Germans were a big influence in the American Civil War. I mean, they they oh, came over here uh, just previous to the Civil War from the various civil wars that they had in Germany. Sure, and uh, the good bulk of them uh, came here to, and supported the Union because they saw that uh, you know the United States uh, was a good idea to keep together. Yeah, <laughs> you know, so they 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 fought for the Union quite a bit so uh, do you have any any displays on the civil war there in, in the in the museum section um we haven't gone as far back as the civil war uh we actually did a lot on the uh, world war ii internment camps sure maybe oh, right. two years ago a lot of germans were interred you often hear about the japanese camps right. in california that that's exactly right interred. it's something a lot of people don't know about exactly. that germans and italians were also interred in sure. america yep. in world war ii not just the japanese mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and i would imagine that the majority of them probably were born in America. Yes, they were. So how, I mean, how strange is that, that, um, that people who were born in America uh, would have been, uh, would have been, now, I, I can't even imagine I, how that even would have worked. Well, you know, there was, a, there was a big political movement, especially out of New York, called the German Bund, oh, and okay. uh, it was very pro, pro-Nazi. But that was um, just but, before the war, so yeah. you can see how that might raise some some suspicions. <laughs> but but that was you know obviously before the war. And, yes, uh, people. So um, so the question is, uh, wow, you know, it, that is fascinating, and and I I definitely. How long is that exhibit going to be going on uh, at the uh, at the Donk House? Uh, Archive committee is committing to another year. Oh, terrific! And that is free uh, to the public. We do Saturday hours from eleven to three. Okay. As well as tour groups, I do an enormous amount of tour groups. Nice. Uh, people can call and directly arrange that from Cub Scouts to senior citizens. Oh, I, okay. We'll take everybody. I was going to say, I, I, you know, what type of people typically uh, would uh, come to tour the the, the Donk House? But uh, so, the, are we talking about primarily uh, like school groups or? Uh, 
Right. We do a lot of school groups. Phenomenal. Um, we do a lot of German language classes. We do a lot of social study classes, just learning about different cultures as well. You know, later Holzen is optional. <laughs> later Holzen <laughs> optional. Hey, you know, Nicole, I, I definitely, um, I'd like to talk to you a little bit about the language. Uh, can, can I ask you to hold for one more segment since we have you? Okay, we'll be right back with Nicole from the Donk House and um, how you can become a member. What is the, what's the, what is the website at the Donk House? Our website is donkhouse.com, which is D-A-N-K-H-A-U-S.com. Donkhouse.com. We'll, we'll link that to kellytruthsquad.com. And, and um, yeah, I, I think uh, um, there, there's definitely a lot of programs at the Donk House that, I'm, that I'd like to ask you about. If, uh, if you could hold for one more segment, we'll be right back with Nicole from the Donk House. Right on, America. More with the Kelly Truth Squad coming your way next. This is Marino Laughlin, producer of the Kelly Truth Squad, and I'm here to tell you about KellyTruthSquad.com's Not Just Talk events. Fearless reporter and political commentator William J. Kelly has been on the front lines of taxpayer activism for more than 20 years. From Rahm Emanuel to Dick Durbin, Bobby Rush, and Bill Clinton, he has stood up for the taxpayers when no one else has. But he doesn't just report on corruption. He confronts bad politicians head-on. He has walked the walk, not just talked the talk. And his events are not just talk either. If you want to be part of where the action is, if you want to be part of the best political events, insider receptions, and parties, meet national political leaders, share your opinion, and have your voice be heard. Subscribe today at kellytruesquad.com. At kellytruesquad.com, you'll get all the latest news events and charity features and cutting-edge political video. You won't want to miss a thing. So sign up now at kellytruesquad.com and get your daily dose of William J. Kelly. The Truth in Broadcasting Radio Network. Now, back to the Kelly Truth Squad. Welcome back to the Kelly Truth Squad. We have an extended Talk of the Town segment. Uh, we've got Nicole from the Donk House with us. Uh, Nicole, are you still there? Yes, I am. Hey, thank you so much for uh, hanging with us. Um, I know you've gotten a big event uh, at the Donk House today, so I'll, uh, I, I, we won't keep you too much longer. But for people who want to, for example, take uh, German, uh, German language classes, how would they, how would they go about doing that? Uh, we're actually just going into adult registration. Really? We do adult classes on Wednesday evenings, and spring semester starts February 1st. Nice. Uh, well, here's the thing. I, I can. This is kind of a weird story, and I, and I bet that you hear a lot of stories like this from people who come to the Donk House who you know, are of German heritage um, and, um, and you know, maybe went to Europe for a year or something like this, and then they, they, that sparked an interest in them in German language or culture. Um, I studied in Europe for a year. And uh, I went over, I, you know, uh, I was at Loyola's uh, Rome Center. I went over three months early um, and stayed uh, in Austria. And the strangest thing happened. Um, no sooner did I arrive in Austria than I literally started speaking German. And I had no prior German uh, language uh you know, training, except for the fact that my grandmother spoke German. Um, but, um, but it was like, I understood what they were saying. And, and maybe that isn't so strange because a lot of English words are essentially derived from German. Is that true? It is. Uh, English is a German language, essentially at its root. It's you know, we sure. hear about the romance languages, French, Italian, Spanish, they're all grouped together. Sure. English groups with German. 
So yeah, like Guten Morgen, good morning. You know, how hard is it to figure out what somebody's saying to you if you know, in the morning if they say Guten Morgen? You know, I mean, we're becoming the Kelly Teutonic squad. <laughs> there, you squad there you go. But uh, but yeah, that uh, you know, I I um, I would definitely love to uh, you know to to look into um, you know taking a German language class uh, at the Donk House. Now you said it's Wednesday night. This is where uh, this is where it could really get interesting. When I did, uh, I used to do an old, uh, another show in Chicago called Sportsaholic on Comcast Sportsnet, and we got a chance to do a segment, and it was the most. Not only was it the most fun I ever had doing doing a show Sportsaholic, and you can imagine it was a fun show to do. Okay, I, I hung out with you know all of my heroes, Mike Ditka, uh, went you know out you know playing golf with you know Jim McMahon, uh, you know playing uh, you know I was out with uh, you know Steve McMichael uh, with uh, his new uh, football. Ball team, the slaughter. I mean, we were all over the place. I was, you know, driving uh, uh, Lamborghinis around the Autobahn Country Club, um, and but the most fun I had doing the Sportsaholic show was we did a segment on a rifle. Um, uh, you know what I'm talking about, Nicole. Help me out here. I do. They're Schutzenverein. Yes, they, and it's a rifle. It's a it's a rifle club, <laughs> and they're they've got a, a rifle. Uh, they've got a shooter a firing range in the in the basement of the Donk House. Mm-hmm. And um, again, just the the nicest, um, most incredibly good natured, cheerful, welcoming people that that I've ever encountered. Yes, they are so much fun. Yes. And um, the last time I, I popped in just to say hi, I, I noticed that there were a lot of young, you know, a lot of new young members of the Rifle Club. So how now, you know, how has the um, how has that uh, Rifle Club uh, kind of evolved since the last time since we uh, did our interview a couple years back? It really does tie in about the time that you aired that segment. Oh, really? Um, <laughs> we get emails all the time now, and. People, I encourage them. They're they're a separate club than us. Okay. You know, they're not really part of our organization. They're more or less, you know, an affiliate, a tenant, and they um, they are. They're a ton of fun. What's the name so of it we again? Encourage people all the time to come on by. They're very yeah. welcoming for new members. Sure. Um, what, what was the name again? Schutzenverein. Oh. I no, for a second there, I thought we might have to put our hands on the bleep, <laughs> the bleep but, button. Uh, no, no, we don't do that anymore. <laughs> but uh, but the but the good thing is that. Um, they um, well, first of all, I'm very happy to hear you say that because the truth is we got a huge response from that segment, and you know you never really know in TV or radio what's going to get a response. Um, you know, I I also did a show called Upscale Chicago on Fox for I don't know maybe like five years, and we'd have A-list celebrities on the show. We'd have you know Steven Spielberg, Bono, Pam Anderson, and uh, and you know we did we we went out on the town with them. We did all kinds of like just over the top things with these A-list celebrities, world famous people and and we hardly got any re- reaction or response at all and then we do an event or we we do a segment on um you know uh the uh you know uh Maureen O'Looney from the Irish American Heritage Center or something like this mm-hmm. and every and I and we would get we were flooded with rea- responses from people saying you know oh that's so you know we saw Maureen on your show um, you know, or, or, or they would see me and they'd be like, oh, you're, you're the guy who hosts the show with Maureen O'Looney. And I'd be like, wait a second. Didn't you see the segment with Steven Spielberg? Didn't you see the segment with, uh, you know, with Pam Anderson? And, he, and here, you know, you only know me from the segment with Maureen O'Looney. But, oh, but the truth the local is stuff sells, right? the local, you know what it is? People like to see things that are familiar to them, that they, that they can identify with, that they have a personal you know, heart and soul connection too, 
And um, and I'll tell you something, Nicole. It, it was just uh, it was unbelievable. The uh, the reaction that we got from from uh, the firing range at the Donk House. Everybody asks me about that. Um, you know, uh, uh, at, you know, for the longest time, uh, they they wanted to know how they could uh, how they could participate in that. And uh, so I'm thinking if I if I take a Wednesday night uh, language class at the Donk House, that could be my excuse to hang around and uh, have a beer with uh, with the Rifle Club uh, right. in the basement it's at like the Donk House. Lab. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> Um, so that and there you go, exactly right, Nicole. I like the way you think. That that would be my opportunity to then practice what I what I just learned in my in, in my uh, exactly, in my language class. Exactly. So uh, okay, I just have to time it so that uh, so that after so that I, I take like an early language class so I can get my maximum time with the rifle club. Yeah, but you know a little German now, don't you? Well, yeah, um, you know, and yeah, and and that's the thing is that one, like with any language, you have to practice it, uh, otherwise you. Um, Otherwise, uh, otherwise, you know, you forget it or, or you just forget that, you know, it's like riding a bike. It's not you're not going to forget how to ride a bike, but you'll forget that you that you know how to ride a bike if you don't do it. You know what I mean? Um, so, um, OK, Nicole, well, then, you know what? You've sufficiently, um, you know, re re, uh, um, you know, renewed my my interest in uh, in all things German history and culture and language. Um, I definitely want to uh, uh, sign up for for a language class in the fall season here, or excuse me, in the spring season. What uh, what what is the website again? If people want to find out more and and all of the the upcoming events at the Donk House. Absolutely, it's donkhouse.com, which is D-A-N-K-H-A-U-S.com. Outstanding. Hey, Nicole, I, I, I truly appreciate you and everything that you do, and and um, I appreciate you coming on the show, and and I look forward to having you on again in the future. Like a plan. Awesome. Thank you, Nicole. See, and we, we got through that whole thing without even having to hear Wayne Newton sing Dungashan. <laughs> you know what? Don't be so sure. I might say Oh, no. It. We're going to add that, aren't we? <laughs> Perfect, Nicole. Thank you so much. Okay. Cheers. Take care. Well, you know what? I'm, I'm very happy that, uh, that I, uh, we connected with Nicole because, um, yeah. that, that, you know, that's a great opportunity. Every night of the week, I want to make sure that we go somewhere with uh, Talk of the Town. Oh, and we could. There's so much going on in Chicago. Absolutely. And um, and uh, with the uh, with the Donk House, it it, it, um, it will inv- it will undoubtedly involve beer. That's always good. <laughs> it's always good. <laughs> and you know what? And that, I think that was beer like, and sauerkraut. Exactly right. Exactly right. Um, you know, I, I think you know we've been leaning pretty heavily on uh, on the Irish American Heritage Center. Um, uh, which, and we need to branch out to we other need, beer drinking. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> if it, you know, so, uh, so, uh, so I think it's time. It's time to diversify. Um, so we're going to go from uh, we're going to go from the uh, the Guinness to the uh, Warsteiner. Very good. Um, yeah, um, the, the, I tell you that Warsteiner beer, it, it's pretty good. It's a. Uh, <laughs> well, I have to take your word for it. No, no, you did. Well, you definitely. Uh, no, you you drink beer, don't you? Oh, absolutely. Okay, I just uh, I've never heard of that one. Warsteiner. Yeah. Oh my God, it, it's uh, it's per, it's it's. It, I, I would honestly go so far as to say I don't want to be uh, heretical here, you know, with uh, the the Irish and the Guinness, but uh, Warsteiner beer. It, I would say it goes well. It goes good with German food. So, well, that's uh, always good. So, it's yeah. a, so well, you know, it, when we're at uh, when we're at the Heritage Center, it's going to be Guinness, and at uh, the Donk House, it'll be Wersteiner. Yeah, it sounds there good to go. me. And we'll be back with more Truth Squad after this. Have no fear, the Kelly Truth Squad will be right back after this. 
This is President Barack Obama. You have reached the Truth in Broadcasting Radio Network. Now, please leave a message, and William J. Kelly will be happy to return your call tomorrow. The Kelly Truth Squad, only on the Truth in Broadcasting Radio Network. Welcome back to the Kelly Truth Squad. I am William Kelly, and as you well know, this is my favorite part of the show, the Talk of the Town segment, where we talk to real people who are making a difference with their events, their charities, their galas, and um, their wine tastings. <laughs> that, beer tasting. That's my favorite. The wine tasting, the beer tasting. Um, and um, so if you would like to, if you would like to, uh, uh, to, um, to have a positive influence with a wine and or beer tasting, please contact me, and me tonight. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> After the show. <laughs> exactly. Um, but, uh, but anyway, we, right now we have Rhonda. She is with the uh, Chicago Police Memorial Fund, and um, and you know what? She she uh, she is uh, involved with co- uh, coordinating uh, teams of uh, people to participate in the various you know the uh, the five Ks, the um, ah. the marathons, the the triathlons. The stuff that makes me tired just watching. <laughs> there you go, and uh, and uh, she's going to tell us how we can participate, how we can how we can help. Hey, Rhonda, are you there? I am. Uh, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for having me. Um, now, here's the thing. Now, this is we spoke uh, the other day, um, and y- you have a uh, a year round calendar of uh, of these types of uh, of these types of events that are all designed to ob- obviously raise money for the police memorial fund, uh, but also to bring people together. And uh, I think that that's so important. In you know, in this day and age, to 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 bring that commu- you know people together in a community. Um, now, w- could you tell us first of all a little bit a little bit about the Police Memorial Fund, if you would, please? Sure. Um, the Police Memorial Foundation was started in 2004. Our retired super well, he is retired now, but Phil Klein. Yes. But it was kind of his baby. He dreamed it up and built it from scratch. Got a core group of uh, board members involved, and everything was. Um, based off of mainly police officers' donations and some private sector donations. Sure. But a, a lot of the money that comes in comes as a result of, you know, payroll deduction from the police department and also different activities that the officers have put together. Um, the, one of the biggest ones that we have is our Run to Remember, which is our annual 5K run and walk. Okay. So you don't have to be any type of athlete to come out, and if you can't run or walk, we can use you as a volunteer. Sure. It's always the first Saturday in May. It's always the day right before our St. Jude parade where we honor all of our fallen police officers. Yes. And as you were saying, um, the memorial was um, was put together, first of all, to build the actual lasting um, physical memorial that is east of Soldier Field, our Gold Star Families Memorial and Park. Of course. we dri- I there. drive by that on a very regular basis. <laughs> if you go to a Barrett game, a lot of times people walk right through it. Don't even sure. know it's there. Uh, we have the water wall, and then we have bricks that you can buy that are dedicated to different officers. Ah, of There's course. There's also a wall there with the names of the fallen officers. Yes. And the memorial first was, you know, we built the, we built the park and have done some additions to it as well. And also, we have the Mission Beyond the Memorial, which helps all the families of the fallen officers. There's, you know, certain groups in town that pay for college tuition, but these people were having problems sending their kids to grammar school and high school. It's like, how are my kids going to get to college when I can't afford to send them to school now? Right. 
so this, there's the mission beyond the memorial, which takes care of those families, and also officers that have been catastrophically injured in the line of duty, such sure. as Denzi Cole. Um, so, it, and like you said, bringing people together, that's our main focus. And a lot of the activities that the memorial had, our St. Jude Parade is very solemn. Everybody's dressed in full dress uniform. Of course. We have our candlelight vigil in September where we read the names off of all 558 now fallen officers. And all these, these are great things to remember the officers by, but we wanted to do something fun. So we yes. created the Run to Remember eight years ago, and the families get to come out and celebrate the lives of their other loved ones. And we get to remember them, you know, in a, in a fun and happy way. And the race itself is just crazy because a lot of 5Ks, if you've ever done one, you go, you get a banana and a granola bar. Mm-hmm. Not the run to remember. We've got Paisano's pizza. We have nice. brownies. <laughs> you know, it is. It's not. You're going to gain weight coming. <laughs> there you <laughs> go. We, there's a lot of support from local businesses, so I can't say enough um, how much we have there to give away. Afterwards. Outstanding. Now, um, now, what is the website? It is www.cpdmemorial.org. Okay. And if you go to that main website, it'll direct you to not only our Run to Remember, but as you mentioned, we have teams at the Bank of America Shamrock Shuffle and the Bank of America Marathon and a whole bunch of half marathons throughout the summer. Basically, if you find an athletic event that you want to do, we will create a team for you. Nice. <laughs> to help fundraise for it. Okay, and so... many of those fundraisers, you'll be happy to know, do include wine and beer for the adults. There you go. <laughs> Perfect. Now, um, okay. So, so the the next what what is the next um, what what is your next event? Our next event actually is going to be our annual pub crawl, which is March third. Okay. See, here's your beers already coming in play. Perfect. Um, it's going to be taking place uh, March third on Southport on the north side, and we will have details very soon with the the itinerary of what bars we're going to be going to. And we do raffles and a 50-50 split the pot, and it's just a really fun, fun day. And then our first athletic event is the Bank of America Shamrock Shuffle, which is March 25th. Perfect. March. Last year we had a team of about 300, so we're looking to double that this year. Okay. Well, you can add my name to that team. I, I, I'll, I would be honored to run uh, the, the Shamrock Shuffle on behalf of the Police Memorial Foundation. Excellent. Um, okay, I'm, uh, I'm, uh, I'm screw. I'm now. How now? Is there like a? Do you guys have a training? Uh, any kind of uh, like a training uh, team? Because I know there was for the some, beer <laughs> for the beer. <laughs> no, yeah, because because I could lead that team. That's if you, right. If you want me, if you need, if you need a beer drinking coach, uh, I will be your guy. But um, but uh, but in terms of like uh, people who maybe have never uh, run a five k, I know that, I know that. Uh, I know that uh, I'm probably the only person left in, in Chicago that still falls under that category. Oh, no, no. no I, I get tired true. driving 5K. Oh, is that right? But, like, is there a – I know that uh, I have some friends who have done the marathon, and they, they, they actually the, – on behalf of various charities, and they actually have, um, like, a training team where months in advance they meet, you know, maybe, like, sometimes – Three or four times a week, um, they they you know they run. Um, maybe they even have uh, you know they sit down for different clinics and seminars and things like that. Uh, does the, the does the Police Memorial Foundation uh, team have any any similar activities? 
we do. We actually ah. do fun runs every week. Right now, because it's winter time, we have kind of a, a little small. It's a small, much smaller turnout than when the okay. weather breaks. Not many people like running in ten degree weather outside. Right. So we do meet um, at least once a week at the at the police academy over at thirteen hundred West Jackson. Oh, nice. And then as the weather is going to start breaking, you know, the beginning of March, we will have runs on the north and south sides and. What I tell my runners is anyone can host a, a fun run. And sure. You just let me know. I'll put it on our website, get the word out, and say, hey, Saturday morning we're going to go out to Payless Woods and meet there, and we're going to run at 10 a.m. Everyone show up. Um, we also, for the half marathon and full marathon, are partnered with CARA, the Chicago Area Runners Association. Oh. And they offer that full training where if you are fundraising for us, it's covered as part of your fundraising as long as you reach your minimum goal. And you can go and train with them. They have, I believe, eight different sites throughout the city and suburbs. Um, at, at various times they meet during the week and then on the weekends as well. So when you need to get those long runs in in the middle of summer when it's 85 degrees and you don't want to go by yourself, it's good to have a group of people to go with oh, you keep absolutely. you hanging in there and motivate you. Absolutely. Well, Rhonda, I, I really, I really appreciate it. Uh, you know what you do, and I'm looking forward to it. Um, you know, I, I grew up on the southwest side. I, I, I've lived in Chicago my whole life. I, I grew up uh, in the 19th Ward, which I'm sure you know, Mount Greenwood, a lot of uh, uh, police families. And uh, I grew up, you know, believing or you know, feeling you know, obviously nothing but goodwill towards the police. And um, you know, I, I know when I was a kid. You know, you'd see a police car and you just wave to them uh, like like their neighbors because chances are they were your neighbors. <laughs> you know, at that you know at that time, and um, you know that these are um, these are people. These are uh, you know, and I think that a lot of in a lot of communities these days, people don't realize that the police officers are actually people too. They're your neighbors, okay, and um, and that they, and that they also have uh, they're also. Well, there, there's a lot. Uh, there's a lot in the in the news, and uh, you know, Rhonda, can you stick with us for one more segment? Because we are, if you, that would be outstanding. You know what? Uh, we'll be right back with Rhonda from the um, from the Police Memorial Foundation, and uh, where and you can find out how you can participate in all of the upcoming events, including the Shamrock Shuffle, um, and uh, obviously we'll get that on the KellyTruthSquad.com as well. And uh, we'll be back with more Kelly Truth Squad after this. Right on, America. More with the Kelly Truth Squad coming your way next. I'm President Barack Obama. In 2012, if I do get kicked out of the White House, I'm counting on William J. Kelly uh, to create a new job for me uh, hosting a TV show on the Truth and Broadcasting Network. The Truth and Broadcasting Radio Network. Now, back to the Kelly Truth Squad. Welcome back to the Kelly Truth Squad. I am William Kelly, and um, we have uh, Rhonda on the phone. She's with the uh, Police Memorial Foundation. And uh, uh, Rhonda, give, give us that website one more time, because I keep wanting to say p- policememorialfoundation.com or .org or something, but it's actually a different website. It's cpdmemorial.org, so C, like Chicago Police sure. Department, cpdmemorial.org. And um, and then, um, but do I have the name of the actual foundation itself correct? Police Memorial Foundation. It's the Chicago Police Memorial Foundation. Okay, got it. And um, and here's the thing: there, am I am I imagining things, or is there an uptick? Has there been more cases in the news within the last year or so of police officers being 
shot and killed in the line of duty in the city of Chicago. Uh, can, I mean, it, it seems like the, that this is happening on a much more regular basis than I remember it happening as a child. I believe it's a nationwide trend, and it's it's grown in the past several years. I know every I've gone to Washington D.C. for our national memorial the past few years. Unfortunately, none of us are able to go this year since we have the G8 NATO summit here. So right. all manpower will be will be focused downtown. Of course. Um, but yes, it, 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 if you could go on any news site or Google, and there's been a huge, as you said, uptick in you know loss of life. It, two years ago, we lost five officers in the line of duty. Yes. And you know, this past year, I it was the week before the year ended, and I had a thought to myself, and I wouldn't verbalize it, and I was like, oh my gosh, we got so lucky. We almost made it through the whole year without losing one, and that very day was when Cliff Lewis got shot and killed. Sure. So it's. You're never safe, and it, as we've seen it, with, with Michael Flisk, he was an evidence technician. That's one of the safest jobs on the department. You're going to a scene right. after everything is is done with, Sure. and it could happen to any one of us. Yeah, that one was shocking, wasn't it? Yeah, and the ironic thing is his sister Megan is a sergeant on the job, and she has helped me put this run together from the first year, eight years ago, and everyone asks us, why do you put so much time and effort and energy into this? You know, you're not getting paid for it. You're getting nothing out of it. And we said, because heaven forbid it ever happens to one of us. Right. So it was so ironic that, you know, her brother is now one of the, you know, officers that we're honoring every year. Now, Megan Flisk? You know, that, that's interesting. I, I grew up, uh, as I mentioned in the last segment, in um, the 19th Ward, and I went to uh, grammar school with Stephen Flisk. Okay. And, um, and uh, so, I mean, the Flisk family, just the, the, uh, the, the most down-to-earth good people, uh, just, I, I just, there's, there, there's no, there are no more down-to-earth, good, uh, decent, good-natured people on the planet. You know, so the idea that anybody would, under any circumstances, uh, take a police officer's life is truly beyond me. And, um, and, and yet, like you said, this is something, you know, what, what, what do you attribute this to where, um, you know, there were a number of cases um, uh, where police officers were actually uh, trying to help people and which is essentially all they're ever trying to do, whether people realize it or not. You know, sometimes, you know, people need to be, you know, protected from themselves if they're driving drunk or whatever the case may be. And, uh, and they don't and and they were and and then the, the person that the police officers were trying to help uh, actually somehow managed to uh, take take their weapons and uh, and 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 kill them. Um, what do you attribute this, uh, you know, what do you attribute this to? Because I don't remember this, grow, uh, as I said, growing up in, in the 19th Ward, I don't, the, the first time that this really came to my consciousness was um, the murder of officers Fahey and O'Brien. And, right. uh, and it seemed like, you know, ever since then, it just seems like this has been, um, uh, you know, uh, on the upswing. Of course, I have to say that. Of course, my views do not in any way reflect the views of the Chicago sure. Police Department. But they should. Um, I, <laughs> I mean, what the heck is my, going on in this country? My, my legal disclaimer, what I see, and I, I'm i in my, let's say, mid-30s, mid to late 30s. Okay. But my sister, my sister's a few years younger than me, and I think that it started, like, I don't know when the cutoff was, but it was sometime between, and it wasn't even like a generation, it was between her and I. And kids just have no respect anymore. And sure. It's, 
and I don't want to really blame I, the parents may have a lot to do with it, but my fam- my family raised them the same way that they raised me, and I feel like my sister. Don't get me wrong; my sisters are not incarcerated; they're not right. bad kids by any means. But I've noticed that, like as the generations progress, it, there's less and less response. There's less and less um, like you always would admire your elders; you would respect your elders. Yes, it didn't matter if they were the little lady down the street or a police officer or your teacher; you respected those. Of course, people. and no one respects you know elders anymore or their teachers or the police. And also, there's no accountability for anything. Sure. It, it's always, everyone's always passing the buck. I mean, it's just like the politicians. You know, it's, right. It's not my fault. It's not my fault. It's not my fault. Nobody wants to accept any personal responsibility. Well, and the, just, yeah, and, and in the last segment, you mentioned the uh, the G8 and NATO summits that are coming to Chicago. And, <laughs> and, and, this, uh, and again, I don't want to get you in trouble, so if you just wanted to say... Uh, Next pass, you know, <laughs> uh, but uh, but here's the deal: under a, a under the best of circumstances, this would be this would be a massive challenge for I think any police department, any city, in anywhere in the world. But uh, considering what you just considering the 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 climate that we currently live in, which I hope can be somehow. Um, you know, turned around with you know the the good events and activities uh, you know that uh, that you're that you are um, you know promoting here. Um, under the circumstances, do you think that the Chicago police? I mean, I th- I feel like they're being set up to fail when you have two a hundred thousand uh, violent protesters coming to the city of Chicago, and these are these are not just vi- people who want to express themselves or their freedom of speech or something. Okay, I mean, I, I feel that I'm expressing my freedom of speech, but I'm not throwing a brick at somebody or spitting at them. Um, and uh, but I mean, these are people who are trained provocateurs, and they and the first thing that they're taught is to try to instigate a police riot where they can get uh, a videotape of a police officer. Um, you know, somehow hitting them or or dragging them uh, or spraying something on them, where uh, so that they can incite hatred towards the police and then and then instigate further vi- uh, hatred and violence. Um, and the, what these videos never show, and it's you know it's res- the responsibility of the media, but they, but again, you know, they failed to do it, put anything in context anymore. Um, what they what these videos always fail to show. Is the is the the so-called protesters um, instigating the violence by by throwing things uh, at the police? Yes, I'm. I am very aware. Yes, <laughs> that, that I don't want to say all media, but certain media will manipulate the. <laughs> right, say it ain't so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and um, yeah, it, it's um, it just it, it it's confounding to me because. Uh, you know, here we are in a situation. I love Chicago. I've lived in Chicago my whole life. I, I'll say this to anybody, anytime, any place. Okay, Chicago is the greatest city in the history of the world, with the greatest people, the greatest police. Uh, and um, and but why we would invite two hundred thousand um, uh, train violent train, you know, highly trained provocateurs to come to our city um, under any circumstances? It's beyond me. Do, do, how? What is the? I know that the Chicago police will do whatever they need to do to, you know, or whatever they're told to do to maintain law and order in our city. But um, how? How does the the uh, the rank and file uh, feel about this? 
there are so many things that I want to say right now, and I'm fighting my tongue. <laughs> what, what we need to do is cue right here the old mayor saying, the police aren't here to create disorder. The police are here to preserve disorder. <laughs> the only problem is the old mayor knew how to preserve. That is uh, true. Um, you know, and, and, uh, and trust me, he, he went, he went uh, out of his way to try to prevent disorder. Um, this, uh, you know, now it seems like we're actually putting out a red carpet for disorder. And I don't know why that could possibly be. You know, if I was the mayor of the city of Chicago, I'd be more concerned. I'd be out trying to make the streets safer, not make them more, uh, you know, not turn them into a violent uh, mosh pit. Um, now we must preserve the First Amendment rights of all people. <laughs> yes. Well, you know, but uh, but yet you're you you feel a little. Uh, I think your First Amendment rights are uh, seem to be a little uh, um, uh, on uh, on guard here. Hey, Rhonda, I, I, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to take you off up topic here. Um, I am absolutely, absolutely looking forward to the Shamrock Shuffle. I can't wait. Um, and uh, I'm going to start training today, so I'll be calling uh, to uh, get on one of, those, uh, one of those teams. What's the website again? Uh, it's www.cpdmemorial.org. Right on, America. More with the Kelly Truth Squad coming your way next. Welcome back to the Kelly Truth Squad. I am William Kelly and uh, Warner. I, I certainly, Warner Todd Houston from uh, Publius Forum. That's it. And, uh, and let me tell you something, brother. I, I truly appreciate you being here. It's an honor to have you here. Well, it's an honor to be on the show, well, as always. And, and um, talking to all these great people out there listening. Absolutely. And thank you for listening, as a matter of fact. I, I uh, obviously appreciate that. And, and uh, all the participation in our Not Just Talk events, kellytruthsquad.com, if you want to come out and, and be involved with. My God, it's now, it, I, it used to be just you know, one event a day. The karaoke, the the cigar society, the the the, the salsa dancing. Now we've got uh, like two or three deep. You know, we're doing the uh, the salsa the, dipping. <laughs> the salsa dipping. That's true. We 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 can do salsa dancing, and then and then we can train for uh, for our uh, shamrock shuffle, and then do some salsa dipping. I'll, ha- I'll have my shamrock shake while you're doing that training. <laughs> there you go. Well, the, poor Rhonda. She was doing a little bit of a shamrock shuffle over there <laughs> yeah. when, uh, when I was asking her <laughs> about that uh, that G8 summit. You know what I mean? I think the Chicago police uh, have a few opinions that they can't say in public. I hope that. to God. I hope to God that I didn't just get her on uh, some kind of uh, no uh, no no uh, fly list or something for uh, <laughs> or no walk down the street list. You know, I mean, it's kind of scary when you think about it uh, that um, you know uh, we have a society now. I, I grew up in the city of Chicago. I grew up. You know, my entire life uh, uh, in Chicago, 19th Ward, I was around a lot of Chicago police officers when I was a kid. They were my neighbors, okay? They were my coaches. Um, they were, uh, you know, people that when they drove down the street, you would wave to them, okay? And, um, and, uh, and now we have a situation with all these uh, cameras everywhere and the facial recognition software. And, and you know, I, I really think that some people are starting to wonder – who you know? Who are who are they? Who who are who are these cameras being aimed at, and for what purpose? What is their? Uh, 
uh, you know, who, who's really who's really monitoring us uh, and, for and who's what, watching them and who's watching who's them who's watching the watchers yeah the more right. people realize that the mainstream media is not giving them the real news the more they go to you know the more our media empire our various uh, outlets tv radio blogs um are, are growing you know, uh, you, you've got the Tribune, the Sun-Times, obviously dying in terms of readership. And yet, um, you know, Publius Forum, KellyTruthSquad.com, um, you know, is uh, growing exponentially, you know, growing exponentially. Well, we're, we're the other voice. I mean, it used to be a right. day in America where every big city had several papers all right. covering different sides of the issues. Now every big city has one media establishment covering only one side of the issue. Exactly and right. That's why we, we've where we've come in. Right, and um, it, it just uh, confounds me that that I that I would live in a day and an age where you'd have a mayor of the city of Chicago that would be incur- that would be welcoming violent protesters to come to the city. Um, that was something that every other mayor of the city of Chicago always actively discouraged from from happening <laughs> you know what i mean and uh and yet you know now we have a mayor who who is encouraged who's welcoming the these uh these protesters so, um and you know i, I it sounds and you know mayor Rahm Emanuel, he's famous for the saying uh never let a good crisis go to waste i don't think you have to be you know oliver stone to 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 actually to make the logical conclusion or to the leap that Mayor Rahm Emanuel is actually trying to instigate some type of a crisis uh, that he can then manipulate into uh, whatever his agenda is. Oh yeah, is. I mean he's already uh, he's already floated all these, you know, further control yes. by the city of of all protests and all people walking down the street and you know I mean he's yes. he's, uh, he's uh, trying to ramp up that police state. I'm also sorry that we are out of time, and my apologies to Steve Dahl, who's been holding this whole time. And but uh, we'll, we'll uh, Steve, I promise we're going to have you back. Thank you, Warner Todd uh, Houston, and all of you listening at home. I hope that you'll join us back here next week for more Kelly Truth Squad, because it is never too early to begin tainting the jury pool.